Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello everybody and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. It's a glorious sunny Monday. How are you doing Phil? Have you, I mean we've been talking before I started recording, we're both knackered after yesterday right? Yeah absolutely, mentally, mentally drained. Um, That's not just because we were wrestling is it? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I no, sort of, back you know, I, I led well. that into, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're both so tired. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, what we got up to? Um, no, yeah, yeah. It, it was just, it was, it was a particularly draining experience, wasn't it? And it usually is. Obviously, you know, how many of the of these games we've seen? You know, what I've been a Spurs fan for nigh on thirty five years, and most of those experiences with North London derbies, especially away, has just been really stressful and tiring. In the last few years. I think because expectations had just gone out the window, um, they were annoying, but they weren't just like you know they weren't they they wouldn't wreck me during the game. Yesterday, I, I found it really really difficult, and there's lots of reasons for that. Obviously, expectation has has uh, changed. I, I won't say necessarily um, gone up at all. Um, but it's definitely a different kind of expectation we have at the moment. And all the talk around it as well, I'm sure we'll get into this in more detail, but it was... Um... I would bank on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be a 10-minute pod because it's just too knackered. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just, I, it, to my point, I just I just found it really, really tiring. And, and particularly yesterday, what with everything going on, what with um, this new era. And I think you said on the... Um, um, post-match pod yesterday that just didn't want them to be the ones to burst the bubble That's it, and, and to feed into that narrative and that was what was really really bugging me um I think as well going into the game I mean as much as you can be objective about Spurs um I think it's actually easier for me to be more objective about Spurs than it is to be objective about Arsenal but I was trying to be and you know I kind of seen them a little bit this season and you know, my overall point about them is that they don't look as good as they did last season. They've lost that whatever spark that they had. Um, so I kind of went into that thinking, okay, well, that's kind of the the, the battleground that we're um, about to go on to. And then the kind of whole media thing kicked up in the days leading up to it, didn't it? And it, it, it was basically felt like I was being gaslit by Sky Sports and all these people and everything that you start to see come through. Because everyone was so, so confident. And Arsenal fans, you know, they don't understand football. That's well understood. So they were doing their usual, oh, we'll slap them, you know, 
swamp dwellers, humbling them, all that sort of thing, fine. But there was just, yeah, people who, not that you should have high expectations of pundits and the um, commentators or the commentariat in football. But from my point of view, they all had the wrong end of the stick and they were writing us off. And it made me feel really uncomfortable and really unsteady because it felt like I misunderstood everything because everyone was telling me something different. And, you know, that all fed into this real kind of strange nervousness that I had watching a game. Well, it is, it's, a lot of it is that, right? A lot of it was this sense that we didn't want to have some sort of wake-up call at the hands of them and kind of see. We told mm. you you were all just getting overexcited. And in, in, the, in the sort of early stages of that first half, when I was seeing like kind of Destiny Doggy getting roasted a bit and I was suddenly thinking like, God, is this is this actually where it all happens? Is this where mm. we start to realise maybe we are hyping this kid up too much? Maybe this entire project is... I mean, I wasn't... I, to be honest, I wasn't thinking that deeply on it. But what I'm saying is the narrative after the fact, if we go and lose 3-0, is that, you know, you start to look at those battles. You look at Saka against a doggy. You look at Basuma against Rice, for example. These kind of key battlegrounds that were highlighted before the game. And had we kind of lost all of those you would start to kind of think, well, all right, we're good, but there's a lot of distance still to go, right? Whereas, I mean, I don't know if it is expectation. I don't don't know if that's quite the the word for it. I think it's more, I think it's more hope, right? I think there's, I think there's a, there's a, there's a large amount of hope with many of these players. I say, I look at someone like Basuma, Andy Doggy, two examples there, somebody like Saar as well. Uh, Van de Ven, another one where I think there's just there's, there is a lot of hope there that in these kind of young players we actually really have something here. We have the makings of something really mm. quite special, and I don't think that would have completely gone away had we lost to Arsenal, but it would have just been unpleasant to maybe feel like okay, so maybe we're not a team that can maybe break into the top four this year already versus okay well we're we're, we're going to still be finishing about sixth to eighth and we can deal with that because we're at the start of something but right now the momentum the excitement around everything it still kind of feels like the sky's the limit i mean man city's probably the limit isn't it but still mm. does feel like the sky's the limit we, we can't forget we got liverpool coming up this week but we will talk about that in a bit um but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things. I mean, what, what I want to put to you, mate, is, and I think it ties in with all of this. Where do you land on the? Because I think there is a strange, there's a strange feeling here of when you see these. You know, you were talking about the commentary up beforehand. Merson saying Tottenham are going to get battered. You're seeing these combined elevens where, you know, two Tottenham players are getting in. Some people are saying Huminson might get into the team. All this type of nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you fall on this though, mate? Because it doesn't particularly offend me. I don't get kind of that wound up by it. I, I, with this right now, where things are right now with Ange, I'm kind of like, great, continue to underestimate us, please. Like, c- continue to approach these games and it, with this kind of laissez-faire. Because I honestly, I think one of Arsenal's biggest sort of uh, downfalls yesterday, we played exceptionally well. And I think we also, you know, I think they massively underestimated us. I think that got into their heads a bit. 
I feel like they thought they could turn up and win. Saka doing the dart piss take celebration after 15. When was his goal? About 20 minutes in? And mm-hmm. he's taking the piss already. You know, do you, I mean, I guess to get a question out of this, mate, like how do you feel about all that? Does, does it bother you? Does it stop fucking picking on us type feeling? Or do you are you happy to see that happen? I think it bothered me how triggered I was by it all. Because as you say, I kind of seen in, in these first, what, six games or five games previous to this one, that we're doing things differently. And Ange Postacoglu, he, he approaches things differently. So we don't really need to get embroiled in all that because we are operating at different levels and on different wavelengths. And then seeing all those like combined 11s and, you know, it's all Arsenal fans doing it and it's all done. And, you know, the Merson thing as well, like, who cares what Paul Merson says? But Sky Sports have purposely obviously clipped that up and put that out there for engagement. And then it, that just feeds this beast. And usually I'm, I can kind of see through that. But for some reason, it was just, it was really getting to me. Um, go, going back to your point about um, hope as well. I think that was what was sort of a, a real difficult thing to deal with in the lead up to the game. And then during it as well, is that it was terrifying both in the sense of like terrifying is the wrong word but just for the purpose of this conversation it was terrifying that Arsenal might be the ones to um, burst a bubble as I said but also what if we smash them Mm -hmm. how could we that how could we then just go along with uh, oh yeah good vibes you know two last minute goals well done Rishi you know that's that sort of good feeling about football where it's just kind of contained into those moments and you don't really have to think about oh next week we've got a big game that sets us up for the next tough period you know just not really worrying about that sort of thing and I think again that that sort of lead up it it it, it dragged me back into that really I guess unpleasant and unenjoyable way of football where you just can't watch your team win and then enjoy the rest of the week until the next game. You've always got to be pouring over the ins and outs of everything, which is a really, as I say, really unpleasant way of um, being a football fan and really detracts from it, I think. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. It's a weird one. Isn't it? it feels like <laughs> it feels like we're being a bit too down on the fact we've actually gone to the Emirates and managed to get a 2-2 draw. I mean, what, 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 let's, mm. we'll focus on some of like the, the good bits from Spurs, like because I think there's a lot of momentum for us to take through into into the Liverpool game and just on into the season in general. Um, there's a few different candidates for Spurs man of the match yesterday. I think James Madison actually officially got man of the match, um, which I I don't personally agree with. Um, Same, no. It, I mean, from my perspective, it was it was I think it was Van de Ven. I reckon from a from a Tottenham perspective. Which Didn't really harsh. put a foot wrong, right? In, in my in my recollection of it, no. Suddenly got two goals. Um, what have you What have you made of Van de Ven, mate? Because it seems to be that he was almost. I mean, if if we're to believe all the kind of noise, our second choice behind Tap Soba, but he seems absolutely quality, doesn't he? Yeah, if he was second choice behind Tap Soba, then. God knows what Tapsoba would be doing in this team because he's been nigh on perfect. He'd been quite unlucky with a couple of, you know, I think he's been attributed with two own goals or certainly one. And, you know, he had that unlucky one in a previous game where it sort of like squirmed underneath him. Um, 
but yeah, he's, he's just been a revelation. And the fact that we've had, we've got these revelations happening all over the pitch, it kind of allows someone like him to go under the radar a bit, which is, I think, what young players, even if they're performing well, need a little bit, just to quietly go about their business and quietly do it like brilliantly. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked about how good he is or, or how, how well he's um, adapted to it. Because that, that is the main point, isn't it? You can be a great footballer, you can have an understanding of the game, but the fact he's adapted so well to it, you know, I mean, I think he had one iffy moment yesterday, which probably wasn't of his making, but everything else, you know, chasing down Saka and all that sort of thing, just completely unfazed by it. And, and no histronics about it either, just kind of getting on with it. It's a really, really good sign. Do you think it's, it's quite mad, isn't it, to see the likes of him, a doggy, a lot of these, you know, a lot of these young players, Sar as well, have just come in and they just look so comfortable, so assured already in the team, don't they? Like, this has got to be massively down to and, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely has. I mean, Sar was good last season as well, wasn't he? You know, he yeah. had moments where... You, you, um, at San Siro, for instance, where he kind of just did did his thing and wasn't overawed by it, and it kind of um, the, the Conte infection didn't get to him, so he was, and, and you know that that's held him in good stead. So we, you know, so he's he, he has been performing well, um, but yeah, it has to be down to Ange. And again, it's not it's not tactics, it's not um, systems or substitutions or anything like that. It's about ethos and mentality, isn't it? Which is what I said about Ange approaching things differently. And, you know, he's saying it all again yesterday about it's it's not necessarily about how we do in terms of um, result. It's the performance at this stage because, the and, you know, the results are coming as well. So great, yeah, that makes it easier. But it's all about this mentality. And, you know, you, you mentioned Udogi there getting, had a, had a period in that 10 minute, in, in that, sorry, that first half where he, was spun a little bit, wasn't it? You could tell his, yeah. his, he, he was struggling, but then nothing really came of it. You know, he he, he was being faced down with um, Saka quite a lot, which is, you know, most defenders will struggle with, no matter how um, experienced they are in the league. And then he kind of just shook it off, really, didn't he? I mean, he was he just carried on doing what he was doing. Didn't, didn't go in for any sort of daft challenges to risk getting a book in. I mean, it was mad, wasn't and it? was yeah, really brave in the attacking sense as well, which I, I think is probably easier to be braver in attacking sense when you know carrying the ball in that area of the pitch, rather than nutmegging someone who's in your final third. But still, you know, he again, and, and you know that has to be down to Ange Postecoglou, just giving them the confidence to say, you know, if you compare it to last season with Conte, where players were absolutely terrified, terrified to put a foot wrong, so understandably did it did more often because they weren't playing with confidence and is creating this um idea that you can give the ball away like once or twice but just keep doing what you're doing it's not the end of the world you just keep going and you know that that is clearly rubbing off and that and i think against arsenal was the the best example we've seen of that i mean he absolutely pocketed saka that second half didn't he doggy he did. He did absolutely. Um, Saka um, faded massively in no small part to that. And, you know, going back to your point about like the dart celebration, that's mental in a North London derby. Like, what, what was it, seven minutes after the restart? He did it a second time. 
pissed me off. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I thought. Do you know what? The, I'll tell you why. Because it makes me feel, makes me feel naive, mate. It makes me feel like you know I was silly for thinking the Saka was different. I thought he was like an all right lad. Arsenal, all that shit aside, I thought he's all right. But he seems to be fully infected with Arsenal now. You know. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, shit. I mean, I, I, di- I didn't notice apparently cause someone was saying, "I'll oh, get over it." He's done it to Rashford as well. Apparently, when they beat United, he was mm. doing Rashford's celebration as well. But that's just—it's really twatty, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I suppose you know there, there is that kind of like banter between footballers, which is something that we don't really yeah. understand and don't accept at all because it's you know it's life and death to us. Um, I thought so Rashford pissed diff- off though, didn't you? Like when he sort of was speaking about it afterwards. Yeah, but then he just kind of clapped back at him, didn't he? And yeah. say he must have still been doing it after I turned him for the for the first. So, um, so yeah, you know. But yeah, that, that points more to me about um, it's a bit childish in itself to do that, but also the wrong mentality. You wouldn't see our lot doing that, and if they were doing that, then Ange would be furious at them because it's it's complete antithesis of what he's trying to set up. Good example, you look at both Ange and Arteta on the touchline. Both playing the same game, both playing the same stakes, North London derby. Arteta jumping around like he's got ants up his arris. <laughs> to the point where he, even now people are starting to notice, like Gary Neville after the game was being like, he, 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 he mentioned it and he was like, it looks a bit ridiculous and it looks a bit performative. you know. And that's the big word. Arsenal, everything about them is so performative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they focus too much on that. And they ignore the rest of it. They celebrate wildly after going 2-1 up in the North London derby when there's still 40, 45 or minutes to play. Or jumping into the stands and all this shit. It's not, it wasn't the 97th minute, do you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. And that's and that's great. That's great from my perspective. Keep doing that because it means they'll never grow up. They'll never grow out of that. They're all about appearances and not about the actual hard work and the hard graft that actually gets them to get over the line against City, which they're not doing this season. Absolutely not. Um People talk about how, oh, you know, they came up up against a good City side last season. That's changing the narrative because they were far ahead in that in that league last season. Yeah, yeah. And then they bottled it, not against teams called Manchester City. So, again, that just points out that they're just a rotten club with a the absolute terrible mentality. Arteta's got away, from, got away with it for a while because of last season, but I've got a feeling that... Um, people are going to start turning on him pretty soon oh you can see it already on on twitter there's there was a lot of talk about his game management there's a lot of talk about his decision to let Xhaka go and I'll, I'll be honest watching that you really i was delighted they didn't have granite Xhaka there you know because we've we've played them the past few years even when he's been dog muck he, he was decent again last year but even when he's been dog muck in the past he's always been one of those players that Makes it uncomfortable for us, right? He chases yeah. every ball. He gets stuck in. Um, Odegaard, I think, like did more of a defensive shift than he did an offensive shift yesterday. I thought he was pressing. He was getting stuck in quite a bit, and that probably didn't allow him to 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 strut his stuff in the sort of in the final third as much as he's probably accustomed to. Um, and I, you know, I think this is again because the fallout of it has all been well, Arsenal didn't really show up. They didn't really play that well, and it's like, but. Is it not because Spurs played really well? Is it not the fact that we have someone like Eve Basuma who took a bit of time to get into the game? I think mm-hmm. it took him 15, 20 minutes until he was suddenly like, okay, I understand the occasion. I understand what's expected of me here. 
And then he was suddenly flying again, I thought, and was a real handful for Arsenal all afternoon. And it pretty much detracted from their own game plan. I mean, Rice had to go off. So I guess that changed the the, the complexion of the fixture somewhat. But, you know, are we supposed to have sympathy for that? This this is the, And this is always the thing with them. We talk about, like, this sort of emotional side to them. It's always like everyone else has to understand that Arsenal are the best team going other than for all oh, these things that happen that are just mm. things that happen to football teams. Players yeah. get injured, you know? People have to go off. Manchester City are going to be missing Rodri. Man City get loads of injuries all the time and they still cope with it. They're a bad example because they spend a lot of money on their squad, but so do Arsenal. Arsenal have spent, what is that? I think it's something ludicrous like Six, yeah. seven hundred million under Arteta now, you know? How, yeah. how, how much longer do they still keep getting to peddle this with this unfortunate underdog type thing? Because we're, we're apparently, like you said, these naive swamp dwellers that need humbling, yet we showed up and went toe-to-toe with them, played, had more possession, do you know what I mean? Had as many shots as they did, played more passes, had more successful passes than they did. We played them at their own game and we beat them. Like in that sense, anyway. Well, yeah. that was a bit Brendan Johnson, wasn't it? But <laughs> we've got yeah. the passing. Case in point on on that. In fact, if you if, watching the game, yes, I couldn't. I mean, I, I shouldn't be so naive as to not expect this sort of thing. But when they had Alan Smith down at pitch side, oh, please, mate. and he was oh, talking yeah. about, you know, like doing some like analysis during the game of how you know Arsenal just need a striker to put the ball in the in the box, and it wasn't said as a criticism either. It was said as like a supporting statement. It's like, haven't they just spent like a hundred and twenty million on two strikers? They don't. They, Havertz and Je- Jesus, Jesus, sorry, I'm I'm, I'm referring to. I, I take. I, I understand the point that they're not that kind of instinctive number nine. But that should be a criticism. That would be a criticism for every other club. But it. But no, not for Arsenal. For Arsenal, it's. They're almost there, you know, they just need this final piece of the puzzle. A striker who can score, that's not the final piece of the puzzle, that's an, a massive oversight for two seasons. But yeah, um, I feel like we, we've uh, spoken too much about them. They're, infect, they're starting to infect me. But it is, a, it, I think this is all part of, part of the narrative though, right? It's all part, let me find it because Dan... Uh, Dan Rattigan, he he shared this thing earlier. It was like a clip from a um, yeah, it's a clip from so this from the Athletic, I believe, and it was this uh, this Arsenal fan, Clive Palmer, who does appear to be like a podcaster, football writer, and stuff as well. When he was asked, "What do you dislike about Tottenham?" his his response was, "How they praise themselves and get so much outside praise for doing so little." I find it incredible. They're perceived in a different way to Arsenal. They win two games and everyone is like, wow, Spurs could go all the way. What? I mean... It's double speak, isn't it? That is... We're talking about Tottenham Hotspur, the team who, before this game, you know, Skybet were putting out promo things saying that we're the Spursiest team going because we've lost the most points from winning positions in Premier League history where we get compilations constantly from, you know, the FA Cup or whoever. The FA Cup have done tweets about us bottling stuff before. Do you know what I mean? All this type of thing. 
And I just think this is this is mental like thing with them where they can't see, like you say, all throughout this game, it's a North London derby, it's Tottenham against Arsenal. And we're having to listen to club legend Alan Smith on the touchline as some third or some like at least auxiliary commentator giving us updates on Arsenal and their progress. It, it's just, it's, it's bonkers to me. It's bonkers yeah. to me how protected they are and how the excitement that that there always is every time Arsenal come somewhere near to being or resembling a good side again. And I, I think we can all probably say it's, I would imagine it's because a lot of people who were working in the media were young when Arsenal were an amazing team and hence their sort of atti- their personal attitudes are reflected on what we see on screen. But, you know, I mean, I guess all this... The whole thing is, mate, basically, with all this said and done, I'm just fucking delighted that we did what we did yesterday because we just played with a level of confidence that I've not seen us play with for years since I think like I said before about 2017-18 peak peak Pochettino you know mm-hmm. yeah um I think that the, the, the thing for me you know and again we've spoken about Arsenal a lot but I'm I was absolutely delighted with 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 how we played and how we approached it how we overcame challenges in that game um to the point where you know I hated the last 10 minutes of that game because you know we changed tactics or we'd taken off players and we kind of reverted to this Suedo Conte ball thing or or maybe it should be called Hoiberg ball I don't know because he seems to be the common denominator here but so I wouldn't say we were hanging on but we were certainly under pressure but that being said so final whistle goes great what what performance there was a flicker that I had to sort of douse that I was disappointed that we didn't actually beat him and that doesn't come from like it would have been good to beat them that's coming from I have a feeling that they partly thought that they were there for the taking, 100%. having watched how the game how the game panned out. You know, there was that Pedro Porro cross into Sun, which he just kind of got it too close to the defender, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a difficult ball. You know, easy for me to say, but that was Sun for his hat trick. So you know, so I, I kind of flashed with those moments, and then the Richarlison chance, which was a difficult one to be fair. But so I came out of that game usually being like I just want this game over is you know get out with a result that's great but um yeah and I think that's subjective I think that's objective looking at it yeah you know we we, we had to defend quite a bit but I still I still think that the that, that, that couple of things fell for us differently we could have won that game um and a, 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 another point on that and I think that this was really encouraging. I know we kind of get this after North London derbies a lot because players are sort of know that it's a good thing to say. But it seemed like our players, especially Madison, was furious that we didn't win. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was just this kind of attitude of frustration that they wanted to go there and win and sort of felt like, you know, a, a draw's a, a, a point's a good result, probably a fair result, but in the back of their minds, they were thinking we, we could have had them. We probably should have had them. Whether they should have had them or not, I don't know. But, you know, and the the point is that's a change in attitude and that's a change in mentality that isn't just superficial. It it looks like it's the core of us. And I think, again, that's what I talk, mean about um, Poster Coglu. He's changed that bit when that's the most difficult. You can say the right things all the time, but he's actually got them believing it. And that is that that is so, so important. How petrified were you when Madders went down, mate? Because that looked... 
it looked horrible. I was suddenly I was watching that the way his leg sort of jarred backwards from, from the knee joint, thinking, "Oh God, it's going to be an ACL, isn't it? Like it's going to be an ACL." Yeah, yeah, it looked it looked really bad, and his reaction was really bad, and Gary Neville's reaction was really bad, which made me kind of think it was really, really bad. And then when he kind of sat up, I was like, "Oh, he looks all right." So then, you know, tentatively looked like he was gonna gonna carry on. I, I don't know if he was running a hundred percent fine after that. You you kind of start putting players under a microscope just to kind of check that they're okay, right? But um, seemed like it's okay, and Ange was quite um relaxed about it it seemed and possibly relaxed about something yeah hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. What do we do if he is out there, mate? Because I think that's I think for as, as great as everything is at Spurs right right now, you sort of touched on it already with Hoybier coming on. Our the drop off from our preferred starting eleven to some of our backups is not great, right? I mean, mm. a doggy. We were talking about him earlier. In my head, I was toying with: Do we take him off at halftime? He's looking like a walking red card at the moment. You know, it looks like he's just. Saka's going to play for it. He's going to play for it. He knows how to play this fixture. Saka's got the thing that Harry Kane had. You know, Saka knows what the North London derby is. Saka knows that you can, you know, you can basically bribe referees in a in a way with the way you play. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's he knows how to do that. Um, Harry Kane was good at that as well. Yeah, he was amazing. And and then thinking about like, but then who do you bring on? What Ben Davis for a doggy? Just don't work, does it? This, this, lack, is, a th- this yeah. is what I mean. The lack of depth is likely going to be our undoing this season, right? You'd imagine. I and think by, so. By undoing, uh, yeah. I'm talking about us not winning the title or something. Do you yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. But I, I think it, I think it was a good reminder. Put it that way, because as you say, when Doggy had his yellow, um, and he looked like he was under the cosh for, again for those five or ten minutes or whatever it was. Um, I was thinking, oh, do we have to bring him off at half time? And then I think the commentator said something similar and then said, bring Ben Davis on. And I was like, well, Ben Davis will probably get a yellow card within three minutes of playing. So we'd just be in that same position just with Ben Davis in there instead of a doggy. So might as well keep a doggy on. Um, Sar and Basuma also got quite soft yellow cards, didn't they? Wasn't it just before the break, I think? Yeah. Um, but again, it's that same it's that same bravery, you know? Bravery doesn't exist without fear. So you have to kind of, otherwise you're not being brave, right? So 
it's this just this supportive nature of what what Postacoglu is trying to trying to imbue into the squad. It's like you've got a yellow cards. I'm going to trust you not to get a second one because if we do, we're in big trouble. And yeah, had 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 that gone a different way, we might be saying something different here. But and you know, it's easy to say that. My my point is that it's easy to think that sort of way when you come out with a result, when you you know, essentially, if you leave someone on a on a yellow for that long against a player like Saka, you're most of the time asking for trouble, right? But um but yeah, I think it does it does um point to a bit of a problem with our with our um the depth in our squad. But I think everyone kind of knew that, didn't they? I think that that's the thing. Everyone um everyone knew that there was a that our first team is good, but there isn't a hell of a lot of depth underneath it. Certainly not in that kind of left side defensive position so but with Madison um if he's out I, I don't really know does Hoybier come in and push Basuma f- up further I don't know I mean Hoybier I think the way he plays rightly or wrongly will is not suited to the system at all and I think it would it would fail with him in it um don't you think he just brings the vibe down, mate, when he sees his face and stuff when he comes? He on? Does, yeah, he does. I, I mean, just... you watch him, and you, I, I think I, I don't know if it's. I know that it's sounds become... like a really lame way of putting it, but that's, that's no. I think that's the best way I can put it. And I know what you mean. He always seems to be kind of looking over his shoulder, and it's it's almost got to the point where I'm like, is he purposely not looking at where the ball is so that he doesn't have to engage? You know what I mean? That might be unfair, but you start the the more you sort of see these things, and you know he's always like pointing and and kind of make it like gesturing, and then you thought, well, what is he? Who is he actually gesturing at there? And what is he actually gesturing to do? You're the person who should be closing down there. What? Why? Why are you kind of looking to shirk responsibility? And he was, you know, he was kind of doing his like hiding thing again, and again, where he's like, oh, I just look at the referee and say something to the referee when he knows full well he should be putting the yards in to try and get into space to receive and, you know, carry the ball up the pitch. Um, but yeah, um, it feels a bit churlish to be kind of pointing that out. But I think it also, in some ways, I think it's important to the discussion that we we acknowledge that actually once, the, once one of these 11 goes down, I can't think of a position we're hugely stacked in up front maybe. But again, you know, obviously we talked about Richardson at length this season already. So... Yeah, I think it's something to be aware of. It's not necessarily something to worry about, but I think everyone's sort of on the same page. It's like, well, this squad, and, you know, Anne just said it as well, this squad rebuild is going to take a little bit more time. And I think, you know, case in point. Don't you think with... um, This is one of the things I I thought with Saar, and the commentators kept picking up on it yesterday, not just with Saar, but with Tottenham in general, that they were saying that now Tottenham has suddenly got so many players who just seem so comfortable on the ball and so confident that they can play this kind of game more like against Arsenal yesterday where you draw in the opposition and you have the faith in your ability and the confidence in order to play your way around them. And that's what I just saw us doing all day yesterday. And I think this is one of the biggest differences between Saar and Hoybier is that I get it, Saar, he's 20 years old. He's not perfect. Honestly, if, if I'm being brutally honest about this I think any sort of criticism of him is massively overstated I think the kid's incredible I really do think he's a brilliant player um, and I, I think it obviously helps that he's got a player like Basuma beside him who is 
you know, I just think a really, really special player. But the thing I like about Sartre is that that ability that he has on the ball and that way in which he reads the game. And I just think overall, just the level of confidence that he has for a player that's so young. I would hate to drop him to the bench now mm, mm. and bring yeah, on someone it. like Hoybier. It just seems so risk averse. It seems, again, it seems like, look, you can't go into something like this. You can't back somebody like Ange Postacoglu and say, okay, but now we're actually starting to look quite good. I'm actually a bit worried um, now. I don't really want to take those risks anymore. So can we actually swap Safa Hoybier? Because that probably on paper seems like it'll be a safer option. Yeah, that's missing the point entirely of what Ange's trying to do, I think, isn't it? I think that's the crux of it. Um, I'd much prefer to keep Sarin because I think his ceiling is way, way, way in the stratosphere, right? I think he could be an absolutely incredible player. So I think that playing him is the best way he's going to reach that. And, you know, and learning as well. Yeah, exactly. He, he, he sometimes makes a mistake and, and whatever. But that, but I, I'm with you. I, just, I think he's absolutely brilliant. And I, I, I don't really understand how you can watch these games and not sort of understand what the idea is that that, Poch, uh, that Postacoglu is trying to... Oh, um, that was a slip, wasn't it? That yeah, was I've, I've done that twice as well, but... <laughs> I can't pay a bigger compliment to the man than mistaking him for Pochettino. Um, no, I'm joking, of course. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, this is what we're doing. We are living by the sword, and we're killing with it. I say yeah. we're not dying by it. Yeah, anyway. No. Um, Sonny shushing the Emirates is twice as well. He's got to be up there with like one of our biggest club legends now, doesn't he? Definitely, definitely. I think do, you do, and I maybe you, spoke about this last season, didn't we? Do you get what I mean, though, Like when I say... And I don't mean it as an insult to Sonny, but the fact that it's unfortunate for him that his the majority of his Spurs career has come alongside Harry Kane in some ways because he has kind of been in Kane's shadow in, in some ways. But he yeah, actually yeah. is like... on an I mean, look, he's overtaken... The likes of Jermaine, I think he's what the fifth highest goal scorer in the club's history now as well. That was 150 mm-hmm. goals for Spurs yesterday. That he got yeah, up to. yeah, and I think in some ways history is written by the victor in this case, right? It depends what happens in the next few seasons with Son. Um, let's say you know, let let's just say if he, he he well, if he wins something, will it then not be that this was actually the Son era? You know, and that's not to kind of just um, ignore what Kane gave to us in this same period, you know. And a lot of the goals that Sun scored were because of Kane. We can't ignore that. But it's about perception. Also, a lot Kane, of the goals Kane, Kane left. scored because of Sun, you know. Yeah, yeah. But again, if 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 Sonny is the one who was th- here from this Pochettino period through the rough times and then gets success under P- Postacoglu, it becomes... Son's legacy and everyone is part of Son's legacy and not everyone is part of Harry Kane's legacy you know so it, it could and I, I completely agree with you I think he's one of our greatest players regardless of that it's even at the moment you know you compare and th- that's saying a lot about like Sheringham you know wh- when we were growing up Sheringham was the, the kind of guy right Reachieve anything with Spurs, though, did he? On not, 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 not in real world terms. He was a he was a legend because he was good for us and he scored loads of goals for us. He didn't achieve anything with Spurs. That's why he went to Manchester United. 
Sonny has surpassed him, is my point. Sonny has surpassed players like him. Players like him, players like Defoe, players like Berbatov, Robbie Keane, all of them. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's mental. It feels, it feels, in a strange way, it feels like certain, there's a certain sense of it feeling uncomfortable. Because yeah, I, or unkind to those players, but it's yeah, not, it's not yeah, meant yeah. like that. It's more of a credit to Son that he is, he's just, he, he's just, he's just, gone above them in the in the in the legendary status if that's even you know again it's like eras and whatever you it's it's hard to to compare and there's no real sort of like quantitative way i mean you know goals is a good one but i think i think he will go down in 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 years to come and decades to come more to the point where he will be synonymous with spurs in 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 a much bigger and more profound way than those other players were it's class to just have a bit of needle in that way like we haven't had the, the Emirates shush. I mean, Eric Dyer had a go at it, didn't he, a few years ago, to be fair. But in a game yeah. like that, since Van der Vaart, wasn't it, back in the day, you know? Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that parallel, but yeah, yeah. Brilliant. I do love it. I do love it. I mean, I guess one of the main things from yesterday, from the season so far, that I don't think changes if, you know, our next cursed fixture against Liverpool goes the way that usually goes. We, we're the real deal, aren't we, mate? Like, I, I mean, how much longer? I was saying it in the post-match thing. You know, how much longer do we start? You know, do we have this cautious? Maybe we're good, but let's not. You know, let's not big ourselves up too much or anything. I think we can comfortably say we're a really good team playing really good football with a really good manager. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have to kind of gauge it on um, how how you would assume other teams feel about coming to play us. Do you think Liverpool, I mean, Liverpool are a bad example because, you know, they are so blinkered in how they, you know, I'm talking about the fans or whatever, and the kind of, again, the commentary on their, their side as well. They cannot see any faults with Liverpool. And, you know, that actually works in their favour because it kind of gives them this... Um, this, this lift to go on and do what they tend to do. But no team's going to want to come and play Spurs at the moment. And I think that's the only kind of barometer you can really use, can't you, as saying that we are the real deal. And it's working. You know, we, we, we keep passing these tests. What else can you do? It's still early in the season. And when it all comes down to it, it looks to me like Man City is just going to kind of, yeah. as I said, said before, quietly walk the league if that's possible. But I think the attention will be on other areas of the of the league is my point because you know people just sort of accept that City are going to win it and the title the talk of a title won't be that interesting because it'll be clear quite soon that City are probably just on this unstoppable run already. Um, but yeah, I, I, I you know it, it's not again it, you can't kind of qualify it, but football for me is about feelings and it feels like we're back as much as that means, you know, that that's that's all I can really go on. It feels like, well, not even back, because I don't think we've ever really been at this position before, because, we, again, we're coming at this from a different angle. But we are the real deal, as you say. How uh, did you... Um, it was you, I think, that pointed out to me. I just wanted to say back to back to the Sonny point. It was quite random, wasn't it, to see that he was the... He's the first Tottenham player to score two away goals in one match at the Emirates. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I was initially surprised at that, which is what I think most people were because it was, you know, it was a widely shared stat. 
And I think everyone had the same reaction being like, oh, hang on a minute, that's weird. But then quickly you think about, because it wasn't at the Emirates, it wasn't at Highbury, which is not exactly a great sample size in itself either. But you do, it, it was a, it was a strange thing. And it, but again, you kind of just realise it's like, well, we've been kind of quite, quite, quite bad at the Emirates a lot. You know, there's been some games where we scored more than one. We had that one game where it was four all, didn't, didn't we? Yeah. But that was just a bizarre game. That wasn't that anyone was in control. Um, yeah, we haven't scored more than two goals there, have we? For a long, long time. No, that, that game where we got beat three two by them, where Eric Dyer shushed people. What that was a Kane and Kane and Dyer goal scoring, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's one of those weird stats. But actually, as soon as you actually try and um, think about it, it's actually like, well, of course, because we're fucking shit there. So <laughs> makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, uh, this Liverpool game is going to be interesting. Like I say. It, I'm I'm more prepared for them being the ones that bust our momentum a bit than than it being Arsenal. But I think we've kind of we've entered the territory now where we've had the sort of the great momentum. We've taken that into a North London derby. We've not been humiliated. We've given a good account of ourselves. To lose to a Liverpool team that looked really to me like the only genuine anything close to resembling a contender to City this year so far. I mean, I get, we probably can't count Arsenal out already, but like you, I just... I am. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I know I'm sticking with it from now. I'm not that... Do you know what I mean? I'm not that... In okay, you don't have to, but I, I, I will. No, but like, you know, like, for example, last year, I was convinced they were winning the league last year. I was just like, yeah, yeah they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Um, and if they add Ivan Tony in January, maybe there will be a much better team. You know, it does look like they're be, lacking. It'd be too late by then, I think. That's, yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. my point. That's... Yeah. But I mean, for this year, I think Liverpool are probably the only one. So, if we mm. if we lose at home to Liverpool, I'm not. That's not the end of the world. That's just that truly is a mark that yeah, Liverpool are just better than us right now. Um, but but you know, <laughs> and this is the Ange thing, mate. I'm still going into that thinking. I think we can get at them as well. You know. Yeah, because that's all we do. That's all we can do. All we can do is get at teams because that's what our main focus is. And I don't think that they're defensively that sound. They are shipping a few goals. You know, and attacking-wise, you know, they've got goals from everywhere, it seems, with Nunes, um, who's still a bit shit. I know everyone's kind of got on, got on with him and saying he's, he's, he's improved. He's scored three goals this he's season. Just, he's think. erratic, isn't he? That's what I find. Yeah, about. yeah. I mean, he can smash one in, but then he can also smash one like into Rosette yeah. or what, way, way wider the post. As you say, erratic and he's rash and he snatches at stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if I could... I don't want us obviously to lose to either of Arsenal and Liverpool. <sighs> I don't even want to say it. I don't even want to say I'm glad if if we had to lose to one of them, it was not Arsenal because I think that's understandable to everyone. But I don't even think that that mindset makes sense. And I think, you know, part of this as well, you know, see, talk, talking about the lead up to the to the Arsenal game where some of our fans were kind of being like, I expect us to get battered. And I get it. You know, we're all sort of Spurs fans. We've all been, to, been through many of these North London derbies. And I think I've said this before. I... Do I do think that fans need to get on board with this thinking as well? Because if not, then what is the point of having fans in the stadium if we have no 
impact on what happens. If it's a choice between being nervous and worried and getting on your players' backs or supporting them and roaring them on no matter what sort of mistakes they make, which one of those two options do you think is going to breed more success for the club? The second one. So I think that there is part of... So my what I'm trying to say is that we should go into the Liverpool game thinking, let's, let's fucking have them. Doesn't matter what they're doing. Not this kind of like weighing up of like, oh, they're this and that. That's that's defeated. That, that's what Andy's trying to change. He's trying to change it with the players. It needs to change with us as well, surely. Because as again, I go back to my point. If, if, if it doesn't matter how we feel and how we react as fans, and I mean mostly in the stadium at the time during the games, then what's the point of us being there? If you believe that being at the stadium and the fans are important, then surely our mindset has to change along with this, this team. And we need to be as brave, you know. And our, our bravery comes from, I think we're going to win and saying it on social media, as ridiculous as that sounds, no, and not true. worrying about that people are going to come and like bookmark your tweet and come back to you after the game if you're wrong. It's not the it's point. Because like, well, Arsenal, Arsenal fans wouldn't have taken the piss out of us had we not posted anything on social media. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And they'd beaten us, is my point. We've all got we've all got to get on this mindset. We've all got to change the way that we think about Spurs, because if not, there's no there's no point to fans at all, right? This is something I've been thinking about for a while. We have to listen to what Ange is saying. Everything he says, you're like, oh, that makes complete sense. Why is no one else talking about this in terms of football? Again, Arteta jumping up and down like a madman, trying to shift his players around at every moment of every game. Andrew's just standing there in a suit, being like, well, I've told them what to do. They know what to do. They know what happens if they don't do it. And they know what happens if they do, even if they're successful or not. This is what I want them to do. They're doing it. We've got to be more like Ange, less like Arteta. What is the... What what do you reckon the, 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 the limit is for this team, mate? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean... Like this season, to, to, right now, you know. I think I think we can get top four, top five. I think so. I think from what I've seen for the rest of the teams, I think it feel like we we might come unstuck here and there playing this way. But I think more often than not, it's going to be uh, productive and it's going to be we're going to be rewarded with, if not three points and a draw, most most games. And I think that's enough to take you again. Remember, it's it's more than is it more than likely top five this season for Champions League? What we've had the coefficients work. I think that's how it is. I can't so remember it's something like that, isn't it? Have there's you seen something the state like that. The, have you seen the state of the competition next year? By the way, yeah, it looks brutal, doesn't it? What the hell? Like, I didn't didn't make any sense to me. But it doesn't matter. We have to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we also we don't have to be in it because look what's happened. We're not in it this season, and we've got one of the best, most exciting, fun teams we've seen in. For, for ages, for like five, ten years. Yeah, bun it off. So bun. So so it doesn't. So it doesn't. It does. And again, I think this is good. I think this is again Ange mindset. It doesn't. Because I always kind of sold the top four as like we get to the top four, we get more money, we reinvest in a team, we become better, then we can we have more of a chance of being a team that doesn't just win one trophy every decade. A team that is successful. That that's not how it works. We got we got into the Champions League, rest on our laurels, dropped out, went back into it, dropped out, went back into it, whatever. 
Postacoglu is trying to change that mindset about the club having bigger aspirations or wider aspirations in football. Um, what's the question? I keep going down these. I don't, I don't know where this is all coming Just from. I'm so exhausted the, in my what's brain. What's the limit of Spurs? You know, what can we do this year? Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So top top four in that or Champions League qualification, I think, is is gettable. Um, this this the, the playing this way wins you cups, right? On your on your day, if you're good on your day and you play like this with no fear and bravery and attacking and never giving up, that's what wins you cups, right? Not the league cup, obviously, <laughs> but <laughs> but still. So I, I think we're, we're definitely with a shout of the FA Cup again. You have to, the draw has to be sort of kind to you in certain regards, doesn't it? But the fact that we've got no Europe means it should be sort of manageable. Um, yeah, I, it is really hard to say because it is still kind of early days, isn't it? But I think I think the ingredients are starting to simmer there, right? And that soup tastes like an FA Cup final win. I don't know what I'm talking about. Against, uh, would you? Uh, I, I don't know. Watford or someone. I don't care. No, Just, like, can you imagine <laughs> an FA Cup need, final yeah. against Arsenal? Can you imagine? Like, I don't. Yeah, but they would be expected to win it. Wouldn't they? They would be expected to win, and they t- and everyone would be telling us all, Even still, all I know week and all months. Yeah, I know. I know you're saying we have to be brave and stuff, mate. But honestly, oh, I'd be shitting it, mate. I would I'd be, be absolutely to, shitting it. But... I wouldn't be able to cope yeah. with that at all. No, Yesterday no, no, no. was like you, we were talking about at the top. That last ten minutes, mate, was vile. Like it was yeah, disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Seeing them get corner after corner after corner, I was just expecting to see some lump get their head on it. And I think we're yeah. probably quite lucky. Ben that White they, or someone. They yeah. don't really have any lumps, do they? He was a, to- he, you know, he is a tosser. He is so Arsenal, that Ben White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And F- Fabio Vieira as well. There's another one there. He's just, shy no. as well, isn't he? Like, just bang average. Fabio Vieira, just average like a nobody. Like a, like a, a, a sub player for Wolves. Yeah, just exactly like nobody. Like, just like a nothing, like, yeah. But again, so Arteta's sort of undoing all his good work from last season, I think. And long may it continue. You know, when you used to play, did you ever used to play Pez back in the day, Pro Evo? And you play yeah. Master League. Mm-hmm. Fabio Vieira is like one of the default Master League players. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, although actually they had some absolute ballers, didn't they? The, the Master League Pro Eleven. Have you seen when people <laughs> people will find like the old starting eleven and post out a picture of it, saying like, you know, remembering <laughs> these lads today. Was it Ca- <laughs> Castolo? I think was one of the good players. Oh yeah, 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 in yeah, there yeah. and all that. Oh, I don't know, mate. I don't know. I think we, uh, I think we might be able to win the league, mate. I know you're saying like fifth and all this type of thing, but you're just doing that to be conservative, mate. I know you. No, I, I know there's I'm, that little yeah. demon brain bit of you that's like, I reckon we might be able to win the league. No, I, I, I do. I, no I, Europe. I, We're getting lucky with injuries. Like whoever it is, there was some divine intervention to stop Madders getting an ACL yesterday. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, true, true. I mean, you know, I said top five as a as a. As a baseline, <laughs> that's that's the least we're going to achieve, is my point. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 just this this way of playing. This is how you win football matches by trying to win football matches. It's as simple as that. Oh dear, oh dear. Right, um, I reckon that's 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 about as much as we can get out of that one, mate. Because we're both knackered, and yeah, I'm gonna have a nap. I don't want to talk about Arsenal anymore. Um, but we can look forward to Liverpool, and I'm hoping. Did you? Hear, I was saying to Foynes the other week. I'm just desperate to see us trigger Jürgen Klopp do you know what I mean I have one of those yeah and you're getting him in a headlock to pacify him more than anything because he's gone <laughs> mad that'd be great oh dear oh dear right cheers mate see you later cheers bye
Bye-bye.